right? We're going to go to Nehemiah 3, verse number 6. We're going to look at this next gate in uh, the gate of Jerusalem, the one that had to be repaired. And today we're going to be looking at the old gate, the old gate. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of uh, Pasiah, and Mushalem, the son of Bosediah. They laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would just give power to preach the Word of God tonight. I just pray you'd help me to focus and just say the things that I need to say. And I pray you just control uh, even my rabbit trails and different things I preach about. And I pray that everything that would be said tonight would just glorify you and it would make a difference in our lives, Lord. We just trust that you're going to be involved here. In Jesus' name, amen. Interesting, this man, uh, Meshulam, is actually, his name means friend. And if you look at Jehoiada, it actually means Jehovah knows. Jehovah knows, so the knowledge of Jehovah. Uh, Jeremiah 6.16, this is a great passage of scripture, you've probably heard it preached before. It says, Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also I said, Watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Therefore hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I, I bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. So this gate, I think we're going to come at it from the perspective, I think that's what it is. It's basically referring to the old paths, yeah. the old ways. And you know, we live in a day and age today that people want to change everything. You know, there's some things that you can do that aren't necessarily the wrong thing. We've got a TV screen there. Maybe some preachers are against having a screen like that. I don't necessarily think there's a real problem with it. It could maybe be if you use it the wrong way, you know. But like anything else, it's, uh, things can be used for evil or for good. Uh, there's different things that we can incorporate like that. But I'll tell you something, we're, we don't want to move away from the old paths. And the old ways, and the Lord has commanded Israel, remember the old ways. And we just think somehow that because we've become more progressive and we're, we're you know, wiser because we're, we've learned more, that somehow these old fuddy-duddies of the past, they didn't have it right, and so now we've got it right, and so now we're going to uh, do something that's going to be new and it's going to be better. And you know what, that's what the churches are doing today, and it's not right. So we got to remember the old, old ways, amen, the old paths. Uh, it's a gate, of course, in Jerusalem's wall. Uh, many people uh, refer to it as perhaps one of the oldest gates in Jerusalem. And it has been, been rebuilt. So maybe it was the first one around the city when it was just small and so forth. And, you know, the thing is, you know, every life begins at least with one gate. And so you have old, the old gate of Jerusalem, but you know, they needed more gates and it ultimately became needful to add gates to the wall as time goes on. And, and the thing is as well for you, as you grow as a Christian, you know, you, you, you have one gate you've gone through and now you're going to have to add some more gates in your life. You're going to have to become more uh, focused on certain things in your life and so forth. But that doesn't mean you throw, you close the door of the old gate. It doesn't mean that that first gate, that the one that, we entered into and the one that we followed somehow is wrong but we know we're living in this day 
or even young preachers today, and Brother Stone was telling me, he said he heard one, old, one young Baptist preacher that said, oh, we're just waiting for you old guys to die off. Then they were going to introduce all the new music and the different things and so forth. And so they're, they're thinking that somehow they've got a better way. <laughs> they, they were adding some gates and they thought we don't need the old gate anymore. But there's a reason why Nehemiah said, hey, I know that old gate. It's an old gate and it's probably one of the oldest gates in the city, but let's rebuild it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make sure it's there. Let's make sure we don't forget, you know, the, the landmarks that have been set in the past. And so as we grow, there will be need for more gates in your life. But that doesn't mean the old gates become abandoned. And churches are trying to build a new gate out into the world, but the gate they build is, you could really just title it the world's gate. And that's what churches are doing today. They're really just inviting the world in, and they're presenting the world out, and they're not really winning anybody to anything. You know, I always tell these folks, I'll tell you what, if you're so effective, next week, shut off the rock band. Shut, shut off the smoke machine, the lights, and just walk in there. And all you have in the middle of that room is the Word of God. Yeah. And that's all you use that day is just open up that Bible and preach. And the ones that come back the next Sunday, they're the ones that God's going to use. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, there, they, they wouldn't come back. They don't go, well, you don't got the programs. You don't have this. You don't have that new thing and that new thing. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, the one thing I really appreciated about COVID was it stripped away everything that everybody was trusting in and thought they needed so bad in the church, and we found out we didn't need it. Amen. In COVID, we began to understand that the preaching of the Word of God was the primary thing that we all needed. And also the youth groups we couldn't have anymore. And we couldn't have these special specials, even music specials. We had to think about every little thing that we did was being questioned and, and, and scrutinized and so forth. And I realized, you know, well, we got to do it anyways. And I understand the attitude, but you don't understand the pressure. It's easy sitting in the back row and saying, preacher, you need to do this. But it's another thing when you're the one that they're, they're calling up and facing. Yeah. Amen. It's easy to judge. Sitting in the you know, armchair quarterback, I think is what to call them, amen? But I'll tell you something, during that time, our giving went up immediately. That's without the programs, without all those things. All of a sudden, our attendance started to go up. During the time where the attendance you thought would go down. And I realized it was a hard thing to do. I remember there was one service... One time there we had to, because of all the pressure, of course I had COVID and then we had inspections and I had people on my case and I was threatened by the Alberta Health to actually uh, um, to uh, give them all the names of all the people in the church and addresses and phone numbers. And I just said, well, I can't do that because I have a trust with our people. Yeah. That's why many times you'll text me and say, Pastor, do you have so-and-so's number? And I'll probably say Yes. And that's it. <laughs> well, can I have it? Nope. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let them know you're, you're, you're asking for them. The guy can't be a flow through of information because I'm, I've got this trust, this ministry of trust with people. And if I have your information that you put on a form and different things like that, that's not for everybody to scrutinize and look through. You understand that? <laughs> 
So he says, well, yeah, I just need to know, well, if, you, <laughs> if they were that important to you, you probably would have got their number at church. You don't have to wait till after church to get it. <laughs> Amen. But I'll tell you something. Uh, during that time, you know, as hard as it was and as, as uh, difficult as it was for me especially, and I know for many in the church that were facing job losses and different things like that, God did a great thing. Amen. God did a great thing. See, we, we didn't turn to the new stuff. We realized the value of the old stuff. And that's what we need to remember. We don't need all these newfangled things. Hey, I appreciate the new uh, introduction of uh, you know, live streaming. You know, that was a new thing. You know, we, we had dabbled with it before COVID, and we started you know, playing with it, never got it really right. And also, we had to get it right real quick. And I appreciate it. We've, we've really made an impact in people's lives through our live stream ministry, and we're going to continue to do that as much as I hate the fact that some people use it as a reason to stay home from church. Some people, they have no choice. I was talking to Oscar and Ellie this morning. They say, Pastor, we listen to every service you preach. You know, they can't come to every service. They just don't have that strength anymore. And I love that ministry for people like that. Or you're legitimately sick at home and you're, you know, I can't come to church. Well, at least you can turn it on. You can listen to it. I hope you do, by the way. It's good for you. Keeps you in tune with what God's doing in the church. Amen. But never replace them for being in church. So God may use it as a ministry, you know, in special situations and so forth. I wish I would have had this in Kenora when we had a, an elderly folk, a folk, uh, couple there that... Uh, they were 93 years old. They got put into the seniors' home. Back then, we didn't have any of that technology. I remember I just basically, in that ministry, got my first cell phone. Smartphones were just something on the horizon. I had a guy tell me, yeah, one day you're going to do everything on that smartphone. I think, what do you mean? Well, you're going to have all your information, all your contacts. You're going to get a contact and videos across the world. I says, yeah, right. Sure enough, there it was. I remember we had this elderly woman that I had to, what I did is I recorded onto a little camcorder and I, then I put it onto a VHS tape and I made sure she had a VHS player and just so she could get, get the sermon every week. You know, she didn't know how to run the thing. It play and put it in and so forth. So it was kind of a lost cause. It's too complicated, you know. But anyways, sometimes you can do new things, but you can't forget the old things. The old things are valuable. Yeah. Folks, this pulpit will never be replaced with a drum set, a drum set as long as I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen many churches that have done that. You, you can't even tell where the preacher preaches from. Nope. There's a drum set in the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, if Jesus would come to some of these churches, I think that he'd be flipping over drum sets, yeah. just like he flipped over the tables in, in the temple. Yeah. Why don't yeah. you put that pulpit back. I remember we did a funeral one time. We rented a, a Baptist church. They used to be independent Baptist, and then they went to the conference, and we had a funeral, and so we went into the church, and we said, hey, we'd like to rent it, and they said, no problem, and so I went in there, and I said, well, where's the pulpit? They had a drum set, so we got the, the grand piano cover, and we covered up that piece of garbage in the, in the corner there, and then we, said, then we said, now let's hunt for this pulpit. They must have one somewhere. <laughs> So we went in the back room and we dug through a bunch of garbage and got to the back and sure enough there was a, a little wooden pulpit in the back corner. We dragged that thing out of there and we dusted it off and we set it right back where it should be. Yeah, 
We had people saved in that funeral. I'm sure that old pulpit was going, sure feels good. They probably put it right back in the corner. The old paths, you know. I don't want a glass pulpit either. In Nehemiah, they set up a pulpit of wood, the Bible says, and they, they sat up and they, they, they stood there and read the word of God and made the sense thereof. Yeah. The people could understand what they were saying. And the people all stood and they said, Amen. amen. That was a Nehemiah. Yes, oh, we can't say amen. Yes, you can. Amen. Yes, you can. Nothing wrong with that. The old paths. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. That's what people need today. That rest in their souls. These are the paths which have been trod by the men of the true and living God. Those that have sacrificed and given to get us what we have today. And I realize it's all the Lord's work. I get that. But I'll tell you something, there's a reason why we can freely do what we can do today. Because people have paid the price. For the old paths. I don't know how many people would give their life for a rock band. But people have given their lives for the preaching of the word of God. Yes, for the doctrine of the scriptures. Yes, you know, those are the things that are valuable. Mm-hmm. It's the way of holiness and purity. I know it's hard today. It's hard for preachers that have an old focus on the old things. Teaching to a bunch of people that are living in a new world. And we're, we've all changed so much, and our society has devolved, I guess you'd call it. I don't want to say evolved. Yeah. Devolved into being something that God never intended. Yeah. Even in the house of God, we no longer care about our testimony before people. We no longer care about the things we allow into our families' lives and so forth. And the preacher's got to stand up by himself many times and hit these things, and everybody's looking like, they, like a calf at a new gate. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I've never heard this before. Well, no, because as soon as preachers preach that, they kick them out and get somebody that doesn't preach it. That's the day we live in today. I'm for these things. I, I know we fail. And I know we're not perfect. And I know you could probably look at me and my life and my family and anybody else and find problems. You always will. Just like I could look at you if I want to do and find problems. I'm not interested in that, to tell you the truth. But I am interested in telling you a better way. (laughs) And a lot of those ways are the old ways. I know there's been some preachers out there, and I I give them credit. You get the old Lester Roloff. I mean, he could preach against anything under the sun. He preached that hot dogs were a sin. He preached that underarm deodorant was a sin. I mean, (laughs) and he had good scriptural reason for it. (laughs) You know, and I may never go that far. (laughs) I do like the occasional hot dog. (laughs) You know? Some of these old timers, boy, I'll give them their hot dog. I'll give them their underarm deodorant because what they stood for, man, is just, is just so weak today. It's, it's been weakened. But those are the men that stood in the, in the old gate. That's the men we need. Amen. You got to give them sometimes their little foopas and the different things, that they, little hobby horses they, they, they were riding. Amen. Because a lot of what they said was right down the line. Yeah. Right down the line. And we can pick apart some of these things that, that we don't agree with. 
But I'll tell you something. If you would just listen to things you do agree with them and you would see the things that they've said, boy, those preachers could shake a world. That's what we need today. So many things we need to get back to. So many things. Matthew 7, 13, it says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. This old gate wasn't a big gate. It was a little gate. Almost not worth even mentioning. It's not, even, not, not, it's not a grand gate that everybody goes through, you know. But it surely wasn't a broad gate. That broad gate leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. It's a very narrow way. Many say that we as fundamentalists, we have a narrow mind. But the Lord says that the way is a narrow way. Says that the broad-minded way will lead to destruction. And for salvation, we know that the gate is Christ alone. This morning was such a privilege to be able to preach that message. And tell people that it's only Christ. To have someone come in here and say, you don't have to jump through my hoops to get to heaven. (laughs) Can I tell you what you got to do? And in the quietness of your heart sitting in that chair, you can bow your heart to the Lord and receive everything that he has for you in one second like that. And you became saved. That's a straight gate. People don't like that. They don't like it so straight. I was trying to tell someone this, this last week, and I was just saying, uh, you need to understand that you know, your baptism is a baby. They, they're telling you that that obliterates or removes your old nature that ties to Adam, that old sin nature. And I says, it doesn't. It says, if you think that little sprinkling on your head is going to somehow erase the sin nature, it's not right. It takes more than that. It takes Christ and him alone. The old gate is cherished by our new nature. Our old man doesn't like the old gate, (laughs) the flesh. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have put on the new man, which was renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Jehovah knows that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what we need today. We need to be concerned about doing right all the time. Every part of your life. Holiness in every part of your life. And I realize you'll never be free from defilement. You'll never be free from all sin. You will have problems with your flesh until the day that you die. Anybody tells you otherwise, they're a liar. That's what the Bible says. But you know, that doesn't mean that we don't every day die to ourselves so we can have that new man make the decisions for our life. And that new man, he looks at that old gate and says, I like that old gate. That gate means something. And today, if you, in your heart, you're stirred by hearing the the thought of the old paths and the old gate and the the old men of God and the men that have sacrificed to to give us the word of God and to give us the the preaching of the word of God uh, in your heart, you're stirred and so forth. That's because you've got a new nature. That new nature isn't that old thing (laughs) that gets all offended because the preacher preaches against a hot dog. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) 
There's some things I got to preach about. Some people say, oh, yeah, shouldn't preach on that. I says, yes, I should. There's nothing in your life I should not be preaching about. Everything. Some people get offended I talk about alcohol. Somebody says, preacher, I just want you to know, you know, every now and then, you know, I have a cup of beer. I looked at him, he says, you shouldn't. I just said, you shouldn't. He was expecting me to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand, you know, every once in a while you get yourself a cold beer on a hot day. I said, you shouldn't. Try it out loud for sure. <laughs> you understand that? Do you understand the, the facts of the matter is today, and anybody will tell you this, that alcohol is not good for you? Anybody that tells you it is, is wrong? Oh, just one shot a day is healthy. No, it's not. Even one drink of wine a day is bad for your health. But forget the health. What about your judgment? What about your thoughts? What about being sober, being vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We're half-cooned all the time. (laughs) Half-drunk. Do we still use that word? I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, if that's an offensive term, please. (laughs) That's my old man coming out. (laughs) Rebuilding the old gate. Rebuild the old gate of sound doctrine. Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We don't like that, do we? But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Amen? You can be sure of this, as this world goes on, the people are going to continue to become more evil and more evil, and they're going to continue to deceive and being deceived. You say, well, man, these people today and the things they're saying, they must be really deceived. Yes, they are. They are deceived, and they're they're deceiving others. And the Bible says that these seducers, these evil men, will wax worse and worse. There's no greater time today for us to hold to the old paths of the Word of God and rebuild that old gate again. (laughs) And folks, these doctrines are coming out of the woodwork all around us. And the worst thing is, I talk to Christians, they think it's normal. They think it's normal that everybody has a little different slant on things. I'm sorry, that's not the way it's been ever, ever. That's why we have to protect ourselves against false doctrine in the church. Amen. When I meet with a man and I say, hey, uh, there's some stuff going around. I'm hearing about this, that, or the other. There's a reason why I'm saying that. (laughs) That has a potential to infect and hurt the people of God. It's amazing all the little things that that can be said that can actually divide and destroy the the family of God. So when we hear these things, we deal with them. You ought never just to be silent about false doctrine in the church. Somebody invites you over and starts spewing their garbage. You ought to say, you can be quiet right now. Yeah. I don't want my wife or my children to hear what you've got to say. Amen. Well, I said, that'd be unkind. No, that'd be very kind. That'd be the kindest thing you could do for them because that will keep them from the judgment of hurting the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. You need to stand up for your doctrine. Yes, sir. And it is not normal. It's not normal, the divisiveness within the people of God today. There used to be a a time where people agreed on what the doctrine of the Scripture said. 
But now everybody's got so smart after textual criticism, they started criticizing the Bible and thinking they know more than God. That's interesting that one of the men's name means Jehovah knows. Jehovah knows. We need to understand that in the last days, and any one of us today, if I would ask you, do you believe it's the last days? Well, doctrinally, we know the last days started at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the beginning of the last days. You say, well, that was sure a long time ago. Isn't that amazing that we're probably in the last days of the last days? See, I agree with that preacher. Well, the Bible says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except they're coming a fall, falling away first. Yeah. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I mean, that Antichrist, he's probably already holding an office. Yeah. It's not going to be long. We're going to start hearing about this Yahoo. <laughs> then, then hear the trumpet. Yeah. Listen to the trumpet. It's going to call us home. heard some christian leaders quoting and quoted as saying the churches have too much doctrine (laughs) i've heard that they're looking at doctrine as the enemy no doctrine isn't the enemy doctrine is your friend (laughs) it's your friend the knowledge of god is your friend the the application of that knowledge to your life is your friend and the word of god isn't just about doctrines Everything that the Bible teaches ties to the very character of our God. There's not one doctrine you can tell me about that will not somehow tie to who my God is. And when you mess with it, you mess with who God is. Every time I I, uh, apologetically preach against a certain doctrine, it's because it's attacking my God. Replacement theology, it's attacking my God. Uh, Losing your salvation, it's attacking the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just about your little doctrines. It's about you attacking the God that gave you breath in your body. You don't want to do that. There is no safe doctrine that you can say, well, it's a matter of opinion. Well, either your doctrine is hurting God or mine is, but we need to figure this out. That's why the Bible says a heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. Try a couple of times. I know there's people, they've been taught a lot of things. They, they've been taught by people, different doctrines and so forth. And you would all it takes somebody is to just come alongside and say, hey, that's not the truth. Oh, really? <laughs> I've heard of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's, oh, really? Jesus is God? <laughs> you know? But man, after the second admonition, if they've still got their heels dug in, the Bible says you ought to reject them. Yes. In other words, if somebody comes to this church and I've talked to them twice about their false doctrine... They need to leave. That's a scriptural position. Amen. Well, that's not very tolerant. Not at all. It's absolutely intolerant to false doctrine. That's just the way God is. Amen. In fact, he even says that we're supposed to hate the false way. The problem is we're chumming up with it. We're we're thinking we're we're somehow good, that we're accepting all these different doctrines. (laughs) No. The Bible says we're supposed to be of one mind, one mouth glorifying God. We should all be saying the same thing in this room today. Yes, sir. Say, well, preacher, I don't agree with you on this, that, or the other. Well, then you've got a problem. Yeah. It's not me. I don't got a problem. Amen. You're the one with a huge problem. Yes, sir. 
you're in a place that doesn't believe what you believe. And guess what? You walk out that door, you probably wouldn't find one that does. You know, I've talked to several people. They come in and say, well, this is what I believe, preacher. Do you believe this? I said, probably not like you do. (laughs) Well, then we can't come here. I said, that's too bad because you're probably going to be wandering your whole life. It's amazing all these little variant doctrines that are out there. There's no solid group that actually holds to them that these people would even get along with. Why is that? Maybe it's because it's heresy. (laughs) Heresy. Wow. Moving the landmarks. Proverbs 22, verse 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. The landmarks were markers in the field to mark off the properties of the fields. Some would move these markers to gain some of the neighbor's field. They'd take an opportunity when they're working in that area, well, let's just shove this over five feet. That's five more feet of ground that I can get some more crop off of and I can claim for my own. And now in the passage, of course he's saying don't steal from your neighbor's crop. But there's also an application here. Stop moving what's already been set in stone. Some things have been set and folks, just because someone in the last hundred years has come up with a newfangled idea, like remember this, The JWs only started in the 1800s. And when they started, it was based on the fact that they were waiting for Jesus Christ's return. And they thought that he'd return on a certain day. And so what they did is they all put on white robes and they they went and went on that bridge that one day, waiting for Jesus. That's how much they believed it was going to happen. And when it didn't happen, they all scurried like little rats. And then when a news reporter went up to Charles Russell and said, I thought I saw you on that bridge. Oh, I wasn't there. But after a little while, they come up with a, a new doctor. Oh, he actually did come, but it was, just, it was spiritual. It was a spiritual return. That's why today their, their buildings are called the, the Kingdom Hall. They're not churches anymore because now the kingdom has come. Because Jesus has already returned back in the 1800s. The only problem is Jesus said something before he went up into heaven, or the angels did, in like manner, as you see the Son of Man go into heaven, he'll return. Yep. Amen. That means he's not coming in an invisible spiritual way. He's coming in the clouds. He's coming physically. He's coming in his body. It's a physical return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these people just would have believed the word of God and trusted the old landmark. Yes. You wouldn't have a cult today that sent many people, millions of people to hell because that's where they're going. They believe that Jesus Christ is the incarnation of the archangel Michael. That he's not even God. That is blasphemy. (laughs) Yet some of us, oh, it's not so bad. It is pretty bad. The Bible says if you start patting them on the back and start being chummed with them, you're going to be a partaker of their evil deeds. Don't you do it. Try to reach out, try to talk to them. You try a couple of times, they don't want to listen, you reject it. Yeah. See, there's one thing I understood about people. When they start digging in, you try a couple of times and they got themselves dug in, the Bible says they've been subverted. When people are subverted, you can't get them back. 
So you don't spend your time on that. You spend time on people that do want to hear the word of God. Al Stone says, don't, don't think about those that aren't coming to church tonight. Think about those that are in church. Because yeah. as a pastor, sometimes you think more of who's not there than who's there. <laughs> well, why would you do that, pastor? <laughs> I'll become a pastor and find out. <laughs> Deuteronomy 19.14 Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they of the old time have set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. They're set by God, these landmarks. They didn't even set them themselves. It wasn't even something they put down. God said, this is where I want you to put that line. And that's what we need to just follow. Stop following these variant doctrines and being all smart in your own self, listening to these guys on the internet. I mean, I'll tell you something. If it wouldn't have been for the internet, you probably wouldn't even believe what you just said. Isn't that something? God help us. Sometimes I think it would be better if we didn't have the internet, or at least God would give us a little common sense. There's a reason why he didn't choose the internet to disciple you. Use local assemblies. When you come in churches like this, then you have accountability. The preacher is accountable. The people are accountable. You are accountable. You can't just flip and go on online and nobody's accountable. That guy can teach you all the heresy in the world. And you know what? He's never going to pay the price for it until he meets God. Yeah. But here you've got to behave yourself. A lot of people don't like that about church. One person said it's, it's harder to get into local church than it is into heaven. Probably. Because in heaven, your sin nature is already dealt with. Yeah, Here, we got to deal with it every day. Yes, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Turning away from the truth in 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 6, it's uh, 1 to 4. The Apostle Paul writes, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Because there's going to be a couple of judgments. You've got the, great, you've got the uh, judgment seat of Christ. You've got the judgment of the nations. And later on, you have the great white throne. Yep. He's telling this young preacher, he says, preach the word. Amen. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, not maybe, but it will come, when they will not endure sound doctrine. Something when you talk about enduring, Jesus endured the cross. It was a hard thing for him to carry. But he chose to carry the cross for us. Yeah. Sound doctrine has to be chosen, folks. You can't just automatically endure sound doctrine. You have to say, you know what? This does demand something from me. There is weight to this doctrine on my life. If you're looking for a doctrine where you're not going to be affected and where you don't have, have to do anything and there's no weight on your life because of the preaching of the word of God... <laughs> You're going to throw it off. And I'm sure glad Jesus didn't throw off his burden. He didn't throw off his cross. So he tells us, endure. I'm giving you sound doctrine. I want you to bear it up and carry it on your back and keep going forward with it. And he says, if you're getting too tired, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You keep carrying it. You ever heard somebody that's left the church? Oh, it's so much better now. It's so light. It's like, man, I tell you, I never thought it could be so easy. Well, sure it's easy. If I leave church next week, I'll tell you, I wouldn't have the responsibility of behaving myself around these people. 
doesn't have to be concerned about the doctrines I teach or anything like that. I could go out there and be whatever I want to be. Wouldn't that be easy? <laughs> now the weight comes later. When the accountability hits. But that's why every time someone leaves a church in the, out of rebellion, they'll always say, it's so much easier now. <laughs> sure. When you're carrying a load of sound doctrine on your shoulders and you choose to throw it off onto the ground, it's going to be a lighter life for you for a little while. But the day is going to come when a much bigger consequence will hit your life. Then you're going to say, I wish I would have carried the load that Jesus gave me. Now I've got to carry the consequence of my decisions. Amen. By the way, you may be able, to be able to choose your decisions, but you can't choose your consequence. Wouldn't that be nice? Now we're taught in our families, maybe we can. <laughs> Mom and dad shouldn't do that. <laughs> then they do it anyways. Well, now we better do what we're going to say. We're going to do, well, you're please, crying. And, okay, just do better next time. We're teaching our kids that they can choose consequence. No way, man. <laughs> it's hard sometimes. I hate, I hate giving consequence to my kids. I hate that. But I have to. I almost get disappointed. I says, why would you do this to me? <laughs> why would you put me in a position where I've got to do this to you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Amen. Turning away from truth. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They're not going to carry it. It's too heavy. Preacher, stop preaching all that stuff. I mean, everybody at work doesn't believe that. Is that door locked back there? No, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> endure sound doctrine. But it goes on to say, but after their own lusts, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So it's a lust problem. Their desire problem. So what they started to do is saying, hey, preacher, your, your message is a little bit too hard for us, a little too heavy for us. We need a preacher that gives us more of what we need to hear, what we want to hear. And that's when they start kicking preachers out. Give me an easy message, you know. And it's hard. There's no preacher up here that ever preaches uh, you know, straight from the Bible that they go down after that message and go home at night. They're not sitting there carrying the burden of what people think about them. I would like to let you know, I'd like to, I, I would like to be a man of iron where my heart will not be affected. There's not a message I preach, not a Sunday night that I go home where I don't go through those thoughts and have to work through all the pain in my heart over those that I that maybe I'm, I'm thinking are not taking it the right way or that aren't doing right. Every time I'm preaching, it's a heavy thing, but we got to keep preaching. Yes. In season, out of season. I like preaching like this morning. It seemed like everybody was on board, almost everybody. <laughs> Sometimes I know people aren't on board, but I got to keep preaching it. Yes. I know it's... it's it's right in the face of everything you're holding to that are dear, and I'm sorry that you're going to, you know, that you've got to challenge yourself. <laughs> but I've told somebody, you know, if you want to truly 
be the Christian God wants you to be, you better challenge every thought that's in your head. Every thought. You know, some people don't, man. They put in their heels, their critical heart, their critical, critical spirit. I could preach against it, and they're just sitting there like not moving. I'm just wondering, man, what does God have to do to shake you up? Don't you understand that he's giving you an opportunity through his word to get things right? What does he have to do? Comes a time where God says, don't do that, don't do that. But then there comes a time where he says, okay, you don't want to listen? <laughs> Serious stuff, this chastisement for the people of God. Or if you're not saved, maybe that's why nothing's happening. No consequence. He'll never discipline the child of the devil. The devil likes you just kind of doing your own thing. <laughs> you know? Bible says, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I hate this part. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because in the church, when I hear that there's someone in this church that's teaching something that's wrong and I hear about it, I get real ornery. Yeah. Like I want to say, I want to go right to that person and say, shut your mouth, man. <laughs> you know? But you know, that's not always what I need to do, though. You understand that? I'm going to tell you why the Lord allows false prophets. Why doesn't God just kill them? Why doesn't God just take the false prophets out of the picture? Why does he allow these people to continue? Why did he allow the, the Jehovah's Witnesses to start? Why did he allow the Mormons to start? Why did he allow all these doctrines where people will go to hell because of listening to them? Why does he allow it? And the Bible says he does it to prove your love for him. So sometimes I say, okay, Lord, I'd like to get on every false doctrine in the church. But then he says, no. He says, maybe we've got to test some people here. And if they're going to follow this doctrine, then they weren't of me anyways. <laughs> That's something I've learned here, that those that believe the truth, it doesn't matter what people tell them, they'll just continue doing right. But these that I always got to be concerned about, not, oh, are they going to... Man, I could, I could spend my whole week being concerned about people that really don't care about the truth anyways. Sometimes the Lord says, let's expose them. That's what it says in the scripture, that it may be manifest. They went out from us because they were not of us. Because if they were of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. <laughs> Think about this. There's people that went out from us, but then we got people in our church that's still with them. But they went out, uh, out from us that it may be known that they were not of us. Yeah. So that makes me wonder, are you of us? Mm -hmm. Wow. Doesn't the Bible just nail it on the head? Yeah, <laughs> well, preacher, now I'm mad. God. That's probably because you're not of us. Everybody here that's with us is smiling. Amen. They're saying amen. They're saying, I love the truth, preacher. I'm going to stay on track. I'm going to love the word of God. I'm going to keep saying amen to the truth of the word of God. In your heart, you're fighting that? <laughs> Something's seriously wrong. Yeah. And it's about time you come to reality with this. Amen? Amen? 
It's a, it's a doctrine of the scripture where the Lord allows the false teaching to prove and make manifest who is among us that is not doing right because it affects the unity of the church where you cannot with one mind, one spirit, strive together for the faith of the gospel. That's his heart and desire. May the judgments that Jesus made against the churches and the revelation were about, there was a Jezebel among you, you didn't deal with her. Why'd you let her continue? You understand the Jezebels are still around. It's the females that come in the church that want to control everything. Causing problems in the house of God. It's a Jezebel. Wow. We don't talk about that, preacher. (laughs) Well, Jesus did. He thought it was important. (laughs) We're going to expose this stuff. I'm not saying there's anything going on. In fact, last time I said that, everybody, oh no. (laughs) Twelve people were gone on the next Sunday. That was good. Yeah, man. Tell you when that happened. The next next month, we had I think nine people join the church. Not because I did it, because God released the floodgate. So get rid of the Jezebels, get rid of the Balaams, get rid of the Cains, and then we'll bless the church. Well, isn't the church just about inviting everybody? No, it's not. That's a worldly philosophy. That whole tolerant thing. But by the way, they're not very tolerant either. <laughs> They wouldn't like me and their group, <laughs> you know. First Timothy 4, 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So now it's saying the latter times. So now it's just the last days. So now we're looking at the latter times of the last days. See, so what's going to happen is there's going to be evil spirits working seducing people in their faith (laughs) it's happening more than ever i constantly have to deal with people sending me emails and i don't like this message because you because they think they're so right you know i talked to a preacher this week he says yeah man i got this guy he put a blog out about me and (laughs) tearing up my family hurting me trying to trying to destroy the church and get people to stop listening to me and it's all just fabrication. It's all just one person got their, their, their nose out of joint and started spewing a bunch of garbage. It's amazing how people just listen to this stuff. Surely yes. I just can't. <laughs> I just came across a website, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and this guy is writing some stuff and my name's in it. And he's against me and the things I stand for. Now his doctrine is whack. I mean, if, if my name's in there, at least it's exposing me not being like him. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, that's okay. <laughs> but that's out there. It's always out there. I'll tell you about the time I had one guy, he was talking to me from this side, and I had another guy that was emailing me from the other side. And I thought, man, I ought to get you guys together. You'd, you'd be fighting until Jesus comes. Because here I am in the middle. I'm saying, I'm not like you, and I'm surely not like you. I guess I must be in the right place. <laughs> the balance view. Amen. Doctrines of devils, giving heed to seducing spirits. You've got to be careful about that. Some people come and talk to you. They just want to woo you over, just woo you over to their side. Oh, listen to me. There's some people, they're just not, they're not being what a Christian ought to be. And they're just wooing you over to their opinion. And, and then, of course, you're going to start 
feeling that, uh, that negativity towards the preacher and towards the people of God that stand with the preacher. Making this division. All it was is a little spirit that was seducing you. That's what they do. When you're seduced, it's, it's something you like. That's why it's so important to deal with your offenses. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing worse than having an offense than someone with another offense comes to you and you find common ground. That's the seduction. Yet your offenses are two different things, not even on the same playing field. But all of a sudden, we've got this common ground. We, we saw that just recently where a bunch of people had different issues. And by the time it was done, they all culminated into one group and made their attack. And this is what I told people. I says, you just give a little time, that group is going to go kaboosh. Because there's no honor among the thieves. <laughs> sure enough, it went kaboosh. But guess where we are? Still in the house of God. Still with the people of God. Don't sacrifice this, guys. I'm telling you, don't sacrifice this. There is a spirit that's wooing you out of God's place. Oh, I wish, sometimes I wish people would talk to me before they make these major decisions of their life because they don't see. Now, I realize I'm not going to control your investments. I'm not going to control your financial life. But you know what? If you would just ask me sometimes, there may be some things I see about that decision you're making that will probably take you and your children away from the house of God. And every time I've looked at that, I says, oh, please don't do that. It has happened every time. But I'm a prophet that nobody asks for the truth. <laughs> I can give you a list of people since I've been here in Airdrie that are now people out of church <laughs> because they made a decision that was wrong. And they just asked for a little wisdom, but you know, many times that's it. You don't want to ask the pastor because you want to pretend like you are the most spiritual one and nobody can tell me what to do. And it's your rebellion that's killing you. And destroying your family. Because you will not humble yourself and realize that God has given you a shepherd to lead you through these mines of life. And I could help you if you would just trust me. But no, somebody's come along and they've just seduced you that somehow the preacher can't be trusted. I'm sorry, you are wrong. There's somebody in this room you can trust. I'll guarantee you you can trust me. There's nothing I won't do to help your life. But that old spirit, man, that old seducing devil, he's got you right where he wants you. And that next decision, it's such an affront to your pride that you would just even ask for a little advice before you throw your family into the jaws of Satan. But people do it all the time. And it breaks my heart. There's nothing I can do about it. Amen. Careful. Stay in the Word of God. If you don't want to follow the preacher, at least you stay in the Word of God. But I'll tell you something, it still won't be enough because there's a spirit in you that is driving you away. Get rid of the spirit. It's seducing you. I read my Bible, preacher. You'll read it, but your spirit's not right. Get rid of it. Go before the Lord in humility. And so, Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Amen. I'm so glad that God has given us people I can see your spirit is right. 
this evening, we went in the prayer room. You know, we had a bunch of men there where their spirit was right. And we were able to pray together. And I knew God was hearing us because, because the spirit was right. Nobody pretending in there. Oh, what a refreshing thing that is in the house of God. This hypocrisy is killing you. It's killing your family. Please don't, don't do it. Whatever that old devil's trying to get you to do, you are throwing your children into the jaws. You're throwing your lives into the jaws. Amen. It's a lot harder getting them out than keeping them out in the first place. Satan at every turn is trying to deceive man, turn from truth to lies. He's at the helm of every counterfeit teaching within the churches today. Any little variant, any little nuance of new doctrine, the devil's involved. Doctrines of devils. I believe the doctrine of losing your salvation is demonic. All these doctrines that are out there, they're demonic. Well, preacher, you think the only one right? <laughs> I don't know about the only one right. That's a big statement. I'd have to talk to everybody in the world first. <laughs> you know? Well, what I know is this. I wouldn't be behind this pulpit if I didn't know I was right. Oh, you're so proud. You think you're right. Well, why in the world would I step behind the pulpit if I thought I was wrong? I mean, what kind of common sense is that, man? You would? Knowing you're wrong, stand behind the pulpit and preach? Man, if we had your philosophy, there'd be no preachers in the world. Do you get that? <laughs> we're here today because we have right doctrine and we're preaching the right thing and there's an old path that we're not veering off from. And no matter what people say, no matter how much they want us to go the new way, we say no. And we keep preaching and keep teaching. Amen? We're exhorted to hold on to sound doctrine. Hold fast the form of sound words, the Bible says. Hold fast. Why do you say hold fast? Do we have to actually put some effort into this thing? I think so. You're not going to hold on to these beliefs like you believe them. That's why many people that get hurt in the church or they leave the church, whatever, as soon as they leave the door, all of a sudden everything they learned is being thrown out and we're not going to follow that anymore. Some kind of an attack on the preacher or the people they're mad about or whoever it is. I'll show you. I'll turn away from the one thing that's going to save my life. Duh. You know, somebody will always hurt you sooner or later. Wouldn't, you wouldn't be a Christian if that wouldn't happen. You understand that? But when you do get hurt, you better be holding fast to some sound doctrine. Because if you, if you haven't made a decision to hold fast the form of sound words, I'll guarantee you, your bitterness, you're going to start throwing this stuff out the window as you're driving away. That's why you usually see people, their lives going to complete different direction as soon as they leave the house of God. Because they've been writing someone else's faith. Hip hypocrites. You should desire it. You should desire sound doctrine. And I'll be done here. My last point is, we've got to rebuild the old gate of fiery preaching as well. 
you know, sometimes I feel bad. I preach too hard. And, you know, I'm just, well, maybe that was too hard. I, you can ask my wife. I probably, not a week goes by. I say, dear, did I preach too hard? She looks at me, what's wrong with you? <laughs> she never has told me that I preached too hard. I remember my first ministry in Kenora. We had this one man. He was just a good, godly man. Just, I loved him, loved him to death. He had scoliosis of the spine. He couldn't get, you know, even uh, live a day without constant pain. And he would come to church. He'd be faithful. He would be a real indictment against many people of God today. Oh, sorry, preacher, I can't come. This guy's got a spine that's out of line like this. He can't even sleep without pain. He gets him, pulls himself out of bed, puts his suit on, his tie. He comes to church and he plops himself down. He brings a little pillow so it's a little easier to handle. They can see it on his face. He's just wincing in pain most of the time. But I'll tell you, when you get that guy praying, that's something he did. And he prayed for me. I said, Steve, you better pray for me. And he would always pray for me. And in the service, he would... I'd say, Steve, could you pray? He says, oh, dear Lord. Oh, he's talking straight to heaven. He was right at the throne of God. And he would tell God, he says, God, help our preacher not to, not to hold back. I can't tell you how many times I've heard him say that phrase, Lord, help our preacher not to hold back. He knew the temptation for the man of God was to hold back on the preaching of the word of God because he's scared of what people may say or do or maybe people don't like him or whatever. He says, don't let him hold back, God. We need that old fiery preaching. And we need it right between the eyes. And he knew that. He was right with God. And a person that was right with God, he loves that kind of stuff. I love the truth. And there's nothing you can say that's going to offend me, preacher, because I love it. It's the word of God. Then it is what I want. Amen. Amen. Oh, I know I could offend somebody tonight. I could preach some truth that is so straight. I realize sometimes you've got to put a little sugar in the medicine. I wonder if we're the kind of people where I could say whatever I need to say. It's scary, isn't it? <laughs> Preacher, you're scaring me. That ought to be a little fear when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God. Surely isn't stroking. Everybody wants to be stroked by the preacher. Died of criticism, died of compliments, said Lee Robertson. God chose preaching. He chose it. It's his choice. 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Their wisdom takes us away from God. But it says, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's amazing today, if you'd ask somebody in the new evangelical churches, what's going to save people, they'll say our rock bands, our music. <laughs> music was not designed by God to save souls. I'm not saying there hasn't been people saved through music. <laughs> but that wasn't God's choice. 
His choice was always the preaching of the Word of God. And if you got saved through in Him, praise God, I'm for that. Glad you did. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something. What's going on today where people are putting preaching aside so they could put on the big shows? (laughs) That's not God's choice. He would say, get the drum set out of there, put the pulpit back up, have a couple of songs before you start, but then let the preacher preach. Because that's going to save those that are lost. Amen. God chose it. Jeremiah 20, verse 7. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and thou was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Every one mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Jeremiah says, this Bible and this message I got to preach, I mean, daily I'm being mocked, God. Daily I'm in derision. Daily I'm hurting. Daily I'm going through hard things just because I'm preaching your your word, Lord. And he says, then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. For I heard the defaming of many fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Peradventure he'll be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. Boy, what a place to be as a preacher of the word of God. Jeremiah says, the easiest thing for me to do is just to stop preaching God. I'm going to stop talking about you. I'm going to stop talking, talking about the truth. And you know what? That wouldn't make it easy for me for a while. I could just back right out and say, you know what? Whatever. Oh, they got problems? Too bad. Deal with it. Like a lot of people do. It's not my problem. <laughs> but Jeremiah says it's not so easy. Because the word... For a called man of God is in the heart of that preacher. And no matter what you try to do, it's a fire in your bones. And it will come out one way or another. Because that, my friend, is not the fire of man. It's not the fire because your mom and dad wanted you to preach. It's not the fire because the preacher wanted you to preach. It's a fire that God put in your soul. It's a touch of God himself. And if you're not a preacher, you don't understand this. But folks, I cannot help it. I've got to preach the word of God. I'll continue to preach the word of God. You need the preaching of the word of God. And help you. If you say, stop preacher, you better be like that Oh Lord, keep him from holding back. We need that old gate built of the fiery preaching. Sure would help if you'd make it easier for me. (laughs) Any preacher that knows this, there's been many times they stand behind a puppet like this, they feel I'm pretty alone right now. (laughs) Pretty alone. Especially when people look at you. (laughs) That's why I love an amen. I need that amen. When that one Sunday we had our young boys there sitting up there and they're saying, amen, preacher, man, that helped me. <laughs> they didn't know half the things about their amen and two, but it still helped me. <laughs> Somebody's with me here. You understand? Jeremiah didn't have one convert. 
Oh, how he would have desired to have Sadie saved this morning. So he was pouring out his tears before God, preaching and holding forth the word of God and being mocked and imprisoned and put in a miry pit where he was stuck in the clay and nobody fed him. Oh, that I could have one person that would get saved. The one person would turn to you, God, but throughout his whole life that we know of in Scripture, not one person. Then he wrote the, the book of Lamentations. Weeping before God for his people that will not turn back, will not do the right thing. Oh, we need that old gate. That old gate. I hope you'll catch my burden in this church as a preacher. And I know it's hard sometimes. I know I hit some things, and it's right where you are, man. It's, I'm, <laughs> you know, I go home sometimes, I think through what I preach, and I think of who's there, and I say, oh, man, that guy probably thinks I'm preaching right at him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but guaranteed you, I'm just preaching, man. I'm just preaching. <laughs> and sometimes it's like a couple of seconds after I say it, I see someone wince, and I say, oh, man, I must have just hit him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I'll tell you, as it's coming out, I'm just preaching. <laughs> Not here to, to hurt anybody or to undermine anybody or to make you feel bad. But folks, if there's sin in the church, I will preach against it. I will, I mean, I'm going to preach to save this church whatever I can do. If there's sin in the church, we will expose it in the church. I'm so glad we're going through a good stretch right now. But I'm going to tell you something, it's going to come back. Also, one day you're going to start seeing that there's going to be a spirit in the church. Some people are all bent out of shape and they're drawing people into themselves. They're having little meetings at home and, hey, let's, hey, come over here. We won't invite these people. We'll just invite you and we'll talk about these things. As if you're going to win. <laughs> you're really going to win? You've already lost. The devil's convinced you're going to win. You've lost. Don't do it. Somebody does that to you, say, no, sir, I'm standing with my church. You're not, you're not giving undying loyalty to a preacher or a man. My goodness, man, this office is designed by God. I take this seriously. I, I take this very seriously. I put my own life behind this office. You, you, can, you can talk to my wife sometimes, uh, the frustration and the fact that we can't go on normal vacations. You know that. Anybody that's been a preacher knows that. It's not so easy, well, I'm just going to take time off of work this week. Because, you know, every time you leave, the potential is the potential for problems, but also, I'm missing people there. There's a visitor I'd never seen, and I wasn't there to say hi to them. I wasn't there to be there for them. That eats my, I'll tell you something. That's hard on me. That's why I usually take my vacations throughout the week. <laughs> Come back for the weekend. Folks, this is real what God's doing here. Don't pretend like it's just some little thing you tack onto your life. The church is the part of your the biggest part of your life. It ought to be your fellowship. It ought to be the people that you spend time with. And it ought to be people that you care about building up and making more loyal to the things of God. And if you're not, if you're drawing people to yourself, see, that's the danger where you put yourself in the middle. 
You're not willing to die to yourself. You want them to like you more than love the church. You want them to like you instead of loving the doctrine of the church. You want them to hear what you've got to say rather than the preaching of the word of God. That's the first sign something's wrong with you. You got to lose your identity, folks. The preacher ought not wonder if people you invite people over to your house whether everything's kosher there. You can be sure I get all kinds of inklings that the Spirit of God gives me about certain situations happening. And I wonder, I say, Lord, is this kosher? And I pray about it. Wouldn't you want to be one of those people that the preacher would know that you're inviting somebody over for supper, that you'd be lifting up the things of God, and I could have confidence knowing you're not destroying the church, but you're building it? Well, whether I know or not, he sure knows. And I want to tell you something. He owns this. He bought it with his blood. Be careful. I remember right before all that stuff happened last year, we had to deal with all that sin in the church and so forth. How that I kept telling the people, you need to treat this church as you would an egg in your hands. tender i tried to warn people because i could just sense that that the devil is not going to sit by and let us grow and become effective as a lighthouse in this area and i say the same thing again to you today folks everything may be great we got good things happening everybody seems right on board they love the things of god they love the people of god you may even love your preacher i'm not sure (laughs) some of you do (laughs) you've said it But all I know is this, it doesn't take much. And that doctrines of devils and that seducing spirit comes working in the church, finds a way in through a little offense that you have. That little offense. Oh, I wish I could tell you how dangerous that is, but you know what? You probably wouldn't listen. Sometimes when we get that far, the only thing that we'll listen to is the consequence. and all kinds of mercy given to people. (laughs) Oh, that you don't treat that mercy with disdain. Thank God. The mercy you received at your salvation, don't think of it with disdain as you go against the very thing that that blood bought. (laughs) The house of God. The body of Christ. Amen. And he's saying, preacher, are you saying this because you know something's going on? <laughs> You're probably all, no. You know, the best thing, best time for me to say something like this is when I don't think something's going on. Just warning you. Is that uncomfortable? That's reality. That's what every one of us should be on guard for. Say, no, sir. I'm going to keep my spirit right. Keep loving the things of God. I want to serve. I want to be a part of this thing. Amen. That would be your heart. That's the old gate. The old gate. Let's rebuild it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I don't know. Maybe you just got to nail down the landmarks of your life. It's amazing how 
you catch yourself in a situation and you look back and, at the way you've been taught and you say, you know what, this isn't the way I've been taught. I've been taught to do things right and I've allowed this offense or this problem in my life to slowly move that landmark over and, and I don't know why I'm doing this. I, I think I've been seduced. Maybe you just need to get right with something like that. Maybe there's just a start of an offense in your life you're going to deal with. Preacher said something. Sure, I'll say something. I'll say something again. Make sure you deal with that. If there's something you don't understand about me, come and talk to me about it. Gladly talk to you about it. Are you solid on your doctrine? Are you saying, you know what, I'm going to carry this load on my back. I understand with the preaching of the Word of God, there's a lot of responsibility. There's some weight that i got to carry here. I'm not going to walk around like I'm supposed to be free of everything. Maybe you need to commit yourself to be a, a bearer of the weight. The bearer of the weight of the doctrine of Airdrie Baptist Church. Maybe you're here tonight, you don't know Christ. You're not born again. Oh, can I just tell you, your life doesn't start until you get saved. There's no happiness without Christ. There's no purpose. You just wander around and around without Jesus in your life. He sets that goal in your life. He sets that purpose. Oh, there's nothing like it.